Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hey folks, Hal Martin here. Welcome to Making Data Simple. I don't know about you, but when I woke up this morning, it was like eight degrees in Kansas City. No, minus eight. Sorry, let me get that straight. Minus eight degrees in Kansas City. And now it's like 12. So this we're it's a heat wave all of a sudden. But it's been like this for uh, several days now. I hope my guests are having better weather than that. And uh, speaking of, let me jump right in as always. I have a couple of terrific guests today. One is Armand Ruiz and John Webb. Armand is the director of the Watson X team, and he'll explain that in a minute. It's within our client engineering organization. And John Webb is the principal client engineering manager. I thought today what we would do is have a very open and candid conversation around things like technology patterns in the industry around AI, probably gen AI, foundational models, large language models. I don't know. We'll even go into industry trends, whatever the case may be. These guys are the best in terms of experience around generative AI, et cetera. So I'm going to learn a lot today. In fact, I've got my uh, beer right here. See, and I'm going to open it up. There, there we go. That's that's see, I'm ready to go. Hey, welcome guys. I appreciate you being here. I wanted to have some fun today, learn a little bit from you guys. But Armand, John, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you all. I've been following your your podcast for a while, so it's a pleasure to be here. Well, it should be fun today. You guys are gonna set a new bar. Armand, why don't you give a quick introduction? your experience, what brings you here, how you ended up in the role you have today. And John, I'm going to ask you the same thing next. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Armand. You'll see that from my accent. I'm from Spain, even though I'm based now in the in the Bay Area. And I've been working for IBM for 12 years and a half. Uh, cannot even believe it's been that long. I started my career as an intern, actually, in Belgium. And the summer I joined IBM was the summer IBM announced IBM Watson. So from that point, that's when I decided I'll, I'll invest my, my focus and career on this thing called machine learning and eventually called AI. So that moved me to France to work in, in a data science role. I was covering EMEA, working with customers and doing very early deployments of basic statistical and machine learning implementations. And three years after I joined IBM, I moved to Chicago. And you might remember a company called SPSS uh, that was offering statistical yeah. software for, for business. So that, that company was founded in Chicago, and I joined the Chicago team as a product management. And that's when I took all my learnings working with customers and all these new things coming up in the market with open source. And, and we started cooking what became something called data science experience and Watson Studio, machine learning. And today we have this amazing generative AI platform. So I built most of my career in product management, uh, even though the last uh, three years I've worked in pre-sales uh, with a team first called the data science elite team, which I, I like to call this like the beta version of what we have today. Uh, the data science elite team was a team of 100 data scientists. Now we have uh, almost a thousand AI engineers working on generative AI solutions. And and yeah, we can, we can talk more about 
what's going on in the market and implementations that we did. But we almost did a thousand last year. And you're in the Bay Area and you look like it's cold there or something. Now, come on, man. It's probably nice and warm outside. You got like a, yeah. <laughs> a hoodie on and everything. I don't even have that. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty chilly here. I'm from Barcelona, you know, so. Come on. Hey, hey you know California. what? That was my second question I was going to ask you because next week we have what we call a tech exchange in Barcelona. So I'm heading there on Saturday. You know, I'm never going to find any time for, for personal uh, experience or whatever. But if I did, what would you recommend I do in Barcelona? Well, you should check if there is a soccer game uh, of uh, Barcelona. I don't know if they are playing, but if they are playing, that's an amazing experience. And then I think you just enjoy the the port area and next to the seaside and some nice tapas uh outdoor dining that's that's the best you know i went to see maybe eight months ago real madrid it was awesome Mm -hmm. it was awesome it was on my bucket list and it was everything that it was uh intended to be you know i go with this the 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 gentleman he's actually runs tech sales in 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 spain and he says to me and he was serious as a heart attack you know they were getting beat i think i want to say one to zero and he goes, by the way, these are my dad's tickets. And if they lose, you will never come back again. <laughs> I'm like, wow. He said, and I'm not kidding you. He's extremely superstitious. He's older now. He doesn't even make it to the games. But if we invite somebody and they lose, you're out. So no hard feelings. Thankfully, they won. So it was all good. I can go back. So maybe I'll get to go back. Awesome. All right. You're up, John. Give us the same. All right. Yeah. So my name is John Webb. Um, I'm out of the the Twin Cities metro area in Minnesota. So Al, I I may have a couple degrees on you. Uh, Maybe a couple degrees cooler here. I'm not sure. Um, And uh, I've I've been with uh, with IBM for 27 years now. So um, quite a while. And, and, you know, throughout that 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 time frame, I've I've worked in lots of different areas, bounced around through some of our, our acquisitions, uh, spent quite a bit of time with, with the, our, our old Tivoli software at the beginning um, and, and got my start, you know, as an intern. So I've, I've kind of grown up within IBM, you know, throughout my career, had great opportunities to travel and, and see different things. I, I spent most of my time in, uh, in the services industry. So working directly with our clients, implementing our software and solutions, moved into our, our IBM garage, w- which then kind of merged with our, our client engineering practice when, when um, emerged, what, two, three years ago now, and uh, been with our client engineering group um, since then. And I'm, I'm currently on our worldwide team, and, and we had uh, 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 a, a group of folks that that are really focused on our, our technology patterns and, and finding repeatable patterns that we can, you know, implement with our clients to really show them, um, you know, very quickly the, 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 the benefit or the value of, of our products and our, and our solutions. You guys are both from what's called client engineering though. What is client engineering? I know there's some out non IBMers that are probably wondering what the hell they mean by client engineering. I'll go, I'll take that one. So basically here we're, Doing more experiential selling, right? Like uh, giving a taste of our customers of the of the technology and co-developing solutions with them. So when when we need to prove the the features and the qualities of our software, what we like is to co-create a pilot with our customers. We sit side by side. We decide on a specific uh, MVP that we can co-develop together, and we send a, a set of folks, like two to four. 
uh, and that includes like technical people, designers, and we build an entire solution in in like two to six weeks. I used to have this team uh, called Data Science Elite, so we were doing this already to a certain extent for data science and machine learning projects, and it, it proved to be extremely successful, and there were other teams doing it as well for other areas. So um, there was a, this decision to make it like a big organization called Clan Engineering, where we actually support all entire IBM software portfolio. All right, makes sense. Let's let's jump into AI then, and I'm going to start with just a fun, silly question. What gets you excited about Gen AI? One of the one of the first things everybody sort of had that moment, I think, when when you first log in, what, what can I do here, right? And so as you start kind of exploring and 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 you know uh, asking questions and and try to see see what all what the capabilities are, like how deep can this go? My my kind of aha moment is being kind of a an infrastructure nerd. And, and a Kubernetes background, we're always building these Kubernetes clusters. We don't want to repeat all the steps. So we're, we're creating Terraform, right? Infrastructure as code to help build these environments. And you ask uh, whatever and you say, hey, I want, write me some Terraform code that will spin me up an eight node cluster with this storage class, these availability zones, and you click go, right? And it just spits it out. And, it, and it's just, you know, like for me, that was really, really cool, right? When you start seeing it being able to, to, to take all this work that you manually have to do or hunt and peck and each little snippet to, to put together this whole piece of code. And, and it gives you the starting point, right? Now, was it perfect? No, but it's a fantastic place to start, right? It gets you past that, that, that initial startup pump. Use... Uh, Generative graphics, you know, quite a bit, right? If we if we need to do a presentation and, and want an image of something specific, use that. Um, you know, use the you know uh, generative AI to, to to create you know messages for different corporate uh, newsletters and things like that. Even use the use this ally. I see your your football uh, helmet there in the background, and and you know we we did an example of one of our our. Uh, 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 digital labor I- examples, and I, I plugged in uh, you know an email on, on talking trash for your fantasy football. So if some some team loses, right, it, it comes up with a, a trash talking email to tell them how badly they lost. So you know just having fun with it. There, there's lots of applications for it, and um, you know it's just it, it's 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 really exciting technology. How about you, Armand? So uh, I'm I've been really bullish about AI for many many years. Uh, I've been more successful at times than others because the technology was extremely complex back then, right? Even when we were in the data science uh, elite team doing traditional machine learning projects, the barrier of entry to see results was extremely complex. Uh, You needed to know a a lot about data, feature engineering, algorithm selection. Uh, You needed to do like hyperparameter optimization, so many different things that you required a lot of very skilled people to, in order to, create a good end-to-end machine learning project. That's why only big tech companies were able to to get that talent and to put uh, those AI solutions in, in, in production. What excites me about Gen AI is that the barrier of entry to AI technology just got really, really low. There are so many pre-trained LLMs out there and you can pick whichever you want and they will give you results right away, prompting them properly. And then there are techniques to to add knowledge to those LLMs, to adapt them, to tune them, and to connect it to, to connect them to your knowledge base. So basically, the barrier of entry be- became so low that anyone can start creating um, generative AI applications and solutions 
and and the use cases go all over. And and I think last year was very very exciting uh, when we saw the innovation coming into the market. And this year we'll start seeing some of this uh, technology going into production and see more of the ROI. So the pace of innovation also got me really excited. Like the entire community got all all over this. The number of papers out there. New models coming up every week. Um, it's it's been extremely fun. What's IBM's approach, Gen AI or AI in general? Chat GPT is an excellent consumer application, uh, but we we're dealing with enterprise customers that they they need first of all an end-to-end generic AI platform and that connects directly to to their own data. I believe these LLMs you shouldn't just outsource your AI strategy to a third-party provider and interact with it with a third-party API call where you are selling your sending your data uh, to a third-party web request. That's I think that's not the world where and our customers and enterprise customers want to live in. They want to have full ownership of their AI. They want to be able to pick and choose which models, uh, have trustworthy models that they are trained on reliable data uh, with the right copyrights, and with full understanding on on what happened to to get into that performance, and then there is also all this regulatory compliance coming into play as well. So you need that uh, governance component on top, and the the regulatory compliance is becoming not optional but mandatory. So yeah, ChatGPT uh, is awesome for consumers. They have I think great solutions as well for for business. But we're getting into into uh, a different game here with with enterprise. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with what Armand said. I, I, you know, the, the differentiator is is really the enterprise readiness, right? I mean, ChatGPT is is a, a super cool tool, right? And 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 it's and it's open to everybody. So you know, it's it's fun to explore. But when you when you look at it, and you know, you, you start seeing headlines around you know copyright and you know potential um, confidential or or you know information that may be protected by by different regulatory guidance. Uh, you really want something that you can trust. You want to be able to host your data on prem. You want to have solutions that you can control end to end. And and you know Watson X really allows you to do that. How can both of these be true though? A- answer me this: These new LLMs are very cool. Chat GPT, very cool. Then you also went right into, well, you can't use most of those LLMs because, you know, they've, they've got copyright protection in it if you're an enterprise. So what does that mean? I mean, does that mean don't use those LLMs? They're not so cool. It means you can use them for personal use, but not for enterprise use. And IBM has has the right solution there. I mean, where does the line of distinction reside? So there are five points that we need to take into account when we are when we're working with LLMs. Well, they are very impressive. They, they have some enterprise challenges. Uh, I think we heard many times that LLMs hallucinate. So uh, that means that they make up information. And what is worse, they, they, they do that with very high confidence. Uh, so that's, a, that's, for example, something that you can deal with uh, setting the right guardrails and having full control on the generic AI solution that we put in place. We have capabilities to cope that. Uh, there is something called attribution, right? So when an LLM is saying something, we want to know the, the source of information so people can double-check their outputs and correct if there are mistakes. So there is this attribution component. There is compliance as well, customization, data privacy. So 
we we're going all in on LLMs. Our customers are doing that, but you need to hit all these point, points: hallucination, attribution, compliance, customization, and data privacy. If we don't have solutions for that, you will put in production an LLM, an Gen AI application that uh, you cannot really rely on. So, with Watson X and our platform and our capabilities, we really focus on on, on those sorts of capabilities. While we offer an open ecosystem, so people can come and and uh, pick and choose different LLMs based on their needs. Like if I'm a customer, though, you know some 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 are already jumping in and trying to learn as they go. Some are still yet to get started, and they better get started or they're going to get beat. But what's your advice? What do you see as the the way to engage into AI, generative AI? What you just did is cancel out a lot of the LLMs, like probably 90% or more that exist today. So if I'm a customer listening, I'm going, oh boy, what do I do? Now I've got to go to some proprietary model. They want me, they're talking about me using my data. Oh man, I don't even know where to start. What would your advice be? Yeah, so uh, uh, two things, where, where to start? You ask if I'm a customer, where, where should I start? The, the most important part is you should just start, you know, start small, start uh, doing pilots. Many of our customers were doing a lot, they were in this pilot phase. They had a lot of ideas when they saw the potential of LLMs and they started doing different pilots. And then and then you will start identifying, first of all, which skills you have in-house to build these sorts of solutions. And, and maybe you will need to retrain your own teams, go hire new talent or outsource the, the development of these applications to, to a third party. But, but you need to start validating some ideas and, and doing some pilots. Is, this is similar to any classic machine learning project. If you don't try, you don't start uh, checking um, the performance of these of these projects. The other the other part that is really is really key here is uh, the main use case is uh, chatbots. So I think we all experienced some something with chatbots that was really frustrating in the last five to eight years. Um, any any customer service request was through a chatbot, but they really never work as a companion, as a co-pilot. So chatbots, I believe, and this is what I'm seeing in the market, is they are the killer enterprise application. Human work will continue to shift from doing a lot of manual work and lookups of information. And now teams will be directed to LLMs. They will be able to access all that information. You will be able to talk to them in a natural language format, and then it will give you synthesized results and I believe companies will have hundreds of these chatbots for many different use cases all across. So these chatbots with LLMs is what we commonly uh, call RAG, Retrieval Augmented Generation. You connect these LLMs with a knowledge base, and and then we we have some sort of like chat interface. And we we are doing so many projects in this space right now, and and it checks all the boxes that I mentioned before in terms of like security compliance because. We have ways to control the outcome, to do attribution, to run these models uh, locally in your infra- infrastructure of choice. So, yeah, if, if you are if you are not already doing any of this, someone else is doing it, and they will displace you in the market. So, the biggest advice I give is just get started, start small, and and get into this mentality of like quick iteration. Thank you for that, Armand. What do you think, John? Any other comments that you'd add, or did did Armand hit it out of the park as usual? <laughs> I think Armand. I think Armand covered it. Okay, so let me ask you this. Uh, and I'm going to keep going on this because I think it's important. Um, where do you think IBM is differentiated 
I mean, that's probably the simple quote. What would your two-minute pitch be? Maybe you've already said some of it, but if it was IBM differentiation and our unique approach, why do I go IBM versus Microsoft versus Google versus any other competitor that's out there? Yeah, this is uh, it's, it's becoming a really crowded space. So competition is just making uh, making everyone better. Uh, IBM, we, we are a hybrid cloud and AI company. So our entire platform is built on OpenShift. That means we can deploy our capability, AI technology, generative AI and LLMs anywhere you want. You can access it as a service. You just do whatsonext.ai and you can get started right away. But I'm really excited about the um, deployment options that we provide. Uh, we have some industries, some customers, they want it on-prem. They want it in this cloud, in their private cloud. So full flexibility, leveraging our um, Red Hat OpenShift story. So that's one differentiation. Uh, the other one is an open ecosystem. I love open source. IBM love open source. We have this partnership with Hugging Face. We can talk about that as well. But basically, you can access a catalog of open source LLMs. And, and we have this mindset of like, let's open the ecosystem to, to everyone. And we make recommendations on which LLMs are better for which use case. But uh, open ecosystem is another key point that we play. And I, I'll add two more. One, we are training our own LLMs. We released Granite last year. And so far, I've never seen any other LLM in the market where if you go and read the white paper of Granite, we open up the entire recipe. So you can see every single data set that we use to train Granite. You can understand the entire architecture. So we are we have a level of transparency and with that compliance that is, you don't see that in any other LLM in the market. And and then at the end of last year, we released what's on governance. And I think this is where things get interesting if you want to take it to the next level and go into production you, you will we see regulations coming into play and we have the entire framework and capability to make sure you comply to that do you have any so, view on that armand in terms of where you think the regulation is going to land i i don't really know I, I see it happening um technology is moving way faster than regulation i as always, yeah. it depends on, on, on the day. Some days I'm very pessimistic and I'm thinking um, this technology is gonna is too powerful <laughs> and, and we need strong regulation. But then uh, I, I don't think we should cut innovation to, from happening and, and we should have just enough regulation to, to have some control. In the same way, we had regulation to, to deploy applications in some industries already for many years. I mean, it's just, it's interesting to me. I think many companies are just, Assuming that, hey, look, if, if they get uh, a penalty out of it, they'll just pay themselves out of it. Uh, and I think I may have said this before on the cod- podcast, but it's kind of like uh, Napster thought about that, too. They were just stealing everybody's music. They thought, hey, we'll just figure out a solution. We'll monetize it and we'll pay them out. Well, they didn't work for them. They're gone. On the other hand, when Google started, you know, they were going to universities and to get information. They were just essentially, I mean, literally, essentially copying books for retrieval and uh, the universities gave them permission to do this, which was all great, but the authors didn't. So they ended up paying them out and no big deal. sounds like, or it looks like the approach that many of these companies, not IBM, by the way, but many other companies are taking an approach that, Hey, look, we're just going to violate copyrights, uh, infringements. We don't care. And then at the end of the day, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll settle up when it comes to it. But for right now, we're not going to let it scare our quote unquote innovation. And IBM's taking a different approach, kind of as you mentioned, where, look, we believe in copyrights. We believe in 
proprietary data, et cetera. You own your data. You think we'll be right in the end? I, I, I think so. And at the end of the day, we have this open ecosystem, right? We, we have our options that are very secure for those more conservative customers. And then we have more options that are on the open source community that you can go ahead and leverage. And it depends on your risk tolerance. I, I cannot provide legal advice. We have a great legal <laughs> team for that. But it's, it's becoming important, right? We have some well-known cases already going on right now and lawsuits and so on. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this evolves. But we're getting into a space where actually these giant models, the way we've been um, just getting used uh, until, until now, they're kind of a little bit going away. The market is moving more towards small language models, SLMs, uh, because they have a lot of advantages. And, and I think you, you operate in a much more controlled uh, ecosystem there where you don't, you don't, you don't trigger all, uh, many, many of these um, problems. Do you think that's where we're headed? We're going to have, we're going to see both like an equal mix of large language models and, and small language models, or do you think it's going to be predominantly large language models? I mean, it depends who you ask. I get different answers. Yeah, my this is personal opinion. I think we'll have like four or five giant models that will uh, operate in the market. They will, they will, they will be able to do many things: multitask, uh, multimodality, and and they will be very good for kind of like consumer-based applications. So I expect GPT four, GPT five, and the evolution of that to be one, and then we'll have different ones. Uh, but I really think on the enterprise space, the, the the market is moving towards small models, and the reason why is you need they are much cheaper. Uh, I'm sure you all heard of how expensive it is to run these models, not only to train them but also to run them in production. So if you have SLMs, they they run cheaper, they run on commodity hardware, you have lower latency. So I think you all experience typing to to some chatbot and getting having to wait like 10, 15 seconds to get a response with SLMs, the experience is much better, is much faster. And, and then we'll have a lot of those smaller models customized for different specific use cases. So they, this will be domain-specific SLMs. And people need to get used to handle those, to fine-tune those and put them into production, production because we'll have hundreds of them. If I'm using a large language model that's open source, that I know has proprietary data, copyrighted data, whatever, first of all, if I'm an enterprise, you know, what's your suggestion? What if I need that? I mean, what if it has the right attributes that I need, yet I it's too risky for me? Do you, do you just say, is it workable? Do I got to go to IBM or whoever to find another language model that's, that's very similar, yet does have the fact sheets and the proprietary data, or is there something I could do with the existing language model to make it useful and still uh, make it risk averse? It depends on the use case, right? If it's an internal uh, Gen AI application, which by the way, I think uh, working in, in companies will have a lot of internal LLMs that will never go public. Uh, I think that's maybe the risk tolerance is, is different than if you go directly to the, to the end customer or the consumer, right? Um, I, I recommend you you always check with with legal before you want to pull the trigger and go into production uh, to to understand what are like who is the provider of that initial LLM and and as much information as possible on the license and 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 things like that. We we have a great partnership with Meta 
Meta, they are doing amazing things on the open source community and, and with Llama too. And, and it's been working really well. And our customers, they are happy with that. But then we have some other customers that want the next level of kind of like um, insurance, you know, and for, the, for, for those, they, they are asking for different LLMs that we provide. If, if I'm talking to one of the creators, say company that created an open source LLM, we won't mention any names, and we know it has proprietary data, what's their selling point going to be? What are they going to try to give? Because obviously they, they, they've got a, and I'm sure they're targeting the enterprise. So what's their selling point? Um, so we, I'm not going to name any, but we, we see some, some of these that are going open source. You can just go and download their, their model. And, and they provide, um, usually they provide very good LLMs that are very easy to customize. So you can take them, you can connect them to your data, they run anywhere, so they are very cheap. To their the, the entry level is very is very easy because they you can download them, you can connect them to your knowledge base, you can tune them quickly. They run in commodity or cheap hardware. You don't need a, a, a lot of GPUs. So that's that's the biggest selling point. Um, but when it comes to to more specialized use cases, I think um, they, they they will struggle. To, to break that barrier to enter those kinds of customers. And that's when they don't have to do it alone, right? Like they can partner with someone like IBM and, and we can help them augment their, their solution. Um, we're, we're working with a lot of smaller labs that they're creating open source LLMs and, and we give them advice on how they should be training those LLMs in terms of compliance. And that once they are in our platform, they can leverage uh, other capabilities like the dot governance capability that we have. Podcast listeners, I hope you're enjoying this discussion on AI. This is a long one for good reason. So we're going to cut it here and begin next week on AI hallucinations. See you there.